Repent and come. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry according to the Gospel of St. Matthew. And we are commanded to go on the adventure of holiness, and in this message we are going to look at the sequence of events marking the beginning of Jesus' ministry. There is a lot of things going on as Matthew 4 unfolds, but there's a particular form that I want us to examine. It starts off like this, don't reason with temptation. Have your mind and soul transformed towards Christ and stop your life from being directed towards the way of death. And finally, answer the command of Jesus to follow him in the hard labor of his gospel. We see the sequence of events laid out throughout Matthew 4. The diabolical one, the devil, comes to tempt Jesus as both God and man. But Jesus does not reason with the tempter. Jesus continues his walk and begins preaching with the message of repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And of course, that language of repentance is very important. We'll get to that in a moment. As we see this message happening, we also see Jesus coming and commanding people to follow him. This is a call to be holy and answer God's command. And we must have a change in our being if we want to walk the way of life. So welcome to Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure. This is part of our Adventure of Holiness Bible series. And really, this is a recap of the last three sermons we've had. We kind of want to consolidate them together and emphasize how this movement works together. You kind of get three Greek words that I've kind of spent some time studying with you online. The first one being hina, meaning that there's an order to things. The second one being metanoia, the word we get for repent. And then deote, this word which means to actually come here, come and follow someone. It's a, a bit more of a command than it is just a casual call. So we're going to look at all that today and we'll tie them together in a nice bow. So thank you for joining us. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor and here with me in the studio is another. Pastor Anthony Alegria. And Anthony, why don't you start us off today by reading from Matthew 4, 1 through 4. So we'll get to this first part of the movement. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter, come, the temp, the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that has come from the mouth of God. All right, this is one of the places where we find a need for theological precision. It's not just enough to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Even the, the devil himself does that. To have faith in Christ Jesus and to believe in him in a saving way is a much different thing. And one of the things we find here is that the, the devil, the tempter, is very arrogant. And temptation is also arrogant when it comes to address us. The tempter, we find in this text, is arrogant and narcissistic enough to tempt Jesus as both God and man. Here we find the devil, tu diabolu, the diabolical one. The devil has come to bring wrath on Jesus' ministry. English translations give us a hint that the devil wants Jesus to speak in order that the stone may become bread. Now, of course, we look at this, and in English, we don't so much find the profound nature of that word hina. Um, for those who were here a couple of sermons ago, we spent a long time looking at this, but that word hina there, in order to, as we get it translated in English, is very important. It basically is a word that says a series of events has been enacted, and you really can't do anything to move the sequence. You can't really stop something because it's kind of a cause and effect relationship with things. And again, the tempter comes and says, ah, you're the son of God. You are God's begotten son, who's now in fully human form. And he kind of comes and plays on the weakness of, of anybody that's in his sights. And he comes to Jesus and says, oh, okay, 
you're a fully man now, you want to eat. Well, why don't you do something so that you can eat? He's kind of looking at the, the human side of Jesus and saying, I'm going to trick him by getting him to give in to sort of the, the human nature and eating to eat. And of course, this would be breaking a fast, which, you know, there is some spiritual significance there to that sort of temptation. But it's really petty compared to the other side of things where the diabolical, when he looks at Jesus and says, but you're also the fully son of God, if you speak it, you can actually put together a new sequence of events. You can change the order of creation. All you've got to do is just say it. Say it and have life come from these stones. When we say life coming from stones, we don't mean they're coming to life, but now you're getting life from it, sort of like you're eating. I've got a thing of coffee here. You, you would drink the coffee and you're kind of receiving it. This is where life, where thirst and things are kind of sorted out. And basically the tempter says, why don't you make a new reality where life is sustained from rocks. And Jesus, being as, as cunning as he is, and a firm conviction not to give in to the temptation to the, of the devil, either ask God or ask man, he simply says, man does not live by bread. And he doesn't even accept the, the premise of turning stones into bread. He says bread isn't good enough at either. Life was not modeled after food. Life is modeled after that which comes out of the mouth of God. And it's a very, very profound thing. Um, just going back to the language of that, if you, you kind of go to the, to the Greek a little bit, you, you find the, the diabolical and the tempter, he comes and he says, oh, In other words, if you are the son of God, then he comes along and says, Epihina. And again, that means speak in order that. Again, he's saying, put a new series of events in order. You know, really blaspheme against the whole creation of God the Father. Blaspheme against it. Redesign it. Epehina o lithoi autu arte genantai. You know, have life come from something else. Just reorder it as you see. But as the tempter comes, Jesus does not reason with it. And this is a really important lesson that we have. Um... Jesus does not reason with temptation. And we ourselves should not be people who reason with temptation. I mean, that's kind of the beginning of Jesus' ministry. When you start the adventure of holiness, and this is, again, Matthew 4 shows us how Jesus' ministry begins. Temptation is there on both the God side and fully man side, fully God, fully man. But Jesus says you just don't reason with it. There are times throughout the gospel we'll find Jesus actually sit down with people with a, a more deliberate instruction. He kind of will talk with people, have a conversation. When it comes to temptation, Jesus says enough to it to shut it down and moves on. And that's how we should be as well. It's a very important thing. He's not going to blaspheme and speak something into existence, but shouldn't. And just let me share my translation of this passage with you um, that I, I put together. Since we had done that in the past, I want to do that again. So... Matthew chapter 4, verse 3, If you are the Son of God, speak into existence a new order where stones become bread. But he, Jesus, answered, saying, One does not live by bread alone, but by everything said out of the mouth of God. Again, Jesus reminds us in this text that man doesn't live by just the, the cheesy things out there of the world. We're not modeled after, you know, rocks. We're not even modeled after other creatures. This idea that we're created in the image of a rock or that we're created in the image of something else, it's just not, not, not the, the truth that we have. We are created in the image of God. There's something about us which is different. We don't just do things which rationally propagate the species. So many times we do things which are against that, but yet 
That's kind of human nature. And human nature is modeled after God. We are created in the image of God. And Jesus is not going to give into the temptation to change that. And we should not reason with temptation. We should not debate with it. We don't give it the time of day. Sometimes you've got to say enough to it to shut it down and then move on. So let's go into the next sequence of events that we have. Picking up in Matthew chapter 4, verse 12, we find Jesus actually continue his walk. Again, this is the adventure of holiness. Jesus himself is going on a, a quest. He is going throughout the, the regions there around Jerusalem. He is going out throughout the world. People are coming. They're hearing him. It is a walk. It is an adventure. And in Matthew, as he begins, he has a very concise message. Anthony? Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. So that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light, and for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to, pro to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. All right, I love this. As Jesus' ministry begins, he is walking throughout the various regions, and he's preaching a message. This is the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And his sermon is actually quite simple. It's, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, this sounds very profound, and it mirrors the message that John was preaching. But there's something quite fundamentally different about it. The message has taken on a stronger significance because it is coming from the mouth of God's Son. The time of anticipation is being replaced with a new era where people can truly step out of the way of death and into the way of life. Those who would have been eyewitnesses to this message, they would have actually moved from that old era of anticipation, which really marks all of creation from the time of the fall up to the time of Jesus. There's this anticipation that says something has got to be done to, to where we can be restored to God, that the, the consequences of death, all of this, this damnation, this decay that has come to plague us, it'll be removed. Something must be done. There's this long anticipation. And here we see Jesus coming, he says, repent. Now, it's not random repentance. Repent. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is near. In other words, the opportunity of the new way of life, which is actually from God, it is drawing near. Come now, repent. And the operative word that I want us to focus here on is the word of repentance. And it comes from the Greek metanoia. And the Greek word metanoia is a word made up of the prefix meta and noia, which kind of pertains to the mind, something being beyond and a, a stark movement beyond the direction which one is going to. Really, this word means a transformation in the mind where the mind is no longer going down the tracks that it was on. It's sort of like all of your behaviors, all of your habits, all of your hobbies, all the little tastes that you have, they have changed. Something in your mind, not just the, the emotional sort of emotional release, heart, sensational side, but the actual logical part of the mind says, you know what? All of my behaviors, all of my hobbies, the direction of my life is going a direction that is bad. And I'm going to change that. That's what the word metanoia means. You are making a change in the direction of your life. Behaviors, hobbies, habits, all that. There's got to be a change. And when we find here in this text, Jesus using this word metanoia, and we put it in the context of the kingdom of God is here, really, this is going back to that logic of there are two ways, the way of death, the way of life. 
Now, for those of us studying the Didache, we know how profound that is. And even if you haven't studied the Didache, it is still equally profound. There are two ways. Since the fall, we live in, well, sin. It's something that's inherited. It's the natural bend of the world in fallen creation. Now, it's not the designed bend of the world. This is not what God designed, but it's where we're at. And the way of death is sort of where people are at by default. But Jesus comes and he says, no, being on the way of death, that train track running towards death and decay, it's not where I want you to be. Repent. Have that change. Have a change in your mind that takes you from that. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is here. There's a new opportunity that was not here before. Repent. Enact the metanoia. And it's very important. It's an active changing of the mind. Now, the reason why I want us to study this word is because it is a change of the mind and not just an emotional thing. We live in a culture that overemphasizes the role of emotions. There are times and places for emotions, and there are times where people have emotional releases. But that being said, we should have firm composure in our character, and we should use our emotions with discretion. You're probably not going to hear a lot of people say that in our day and age. A lot of people say, well, if you feel it, it must be true. Live your truth. Live your emotions. And I'm here to tell you, no, don't do that. That is what will keep you being a child for forever. If you want to, to grow up and mature, you have to learn to have discretion in your emotions. There are times for aspects of your character to come out. There are times when they don't. There is a time for, for mourning when you're sad and you let that out. And then there is a time to be serious and say, we've got to make decisions that are, are structured and they are, are well planted. When we look at Jesus here and we look at this in the, the whole movement of, of Matthew 4, we can even see that Jesus has a different tone now, and he is displaying emotional discretion with how he's dealing with people preaching versus how he dealt with the devil in the wilderness. With the devil in the wilderness, don't give it much time of day. Say enough to it to shut it down and move on. Now, when you're speaking with other people, people who are willing to receive, maybe you open up with the message and give them something a little bit more direct, something a little bit more of a conversation. We will find throughout the gospel as a whole that there are times where Jesus preaches long sermons with a great discourse of what it means to enter into his kingdom. And there are other times where he comes in and is much more pointed. Maybe he turns a table over and says, you know, get out of here, those who are colluding. Get behind me, Satan. Or maybe he just tells Satan out in the desert to shut up. It's kind of what happens. There's a time and place for certain things. Our world does not teach people to have emotional discretion, to have continence and composure when it comes to using emotions, but if we want to mature, then we really need to do that. When it comes to repentance, it is important to note that it's not just a feeling sorry that one has done something. Should people feel sorry when they do things that need repentance? Yes, but repentance is more than that. It's not enough to say you just have to feel bad about it and have remorse or regret. It means that you actually have to move past it. The early church understood there are two ways. And if you're on the way of death, you may feel bad that you're on the way of death. Um, I realized when we were actually doing the sermon, I brought up something with criminology, and I did a bad job of explaining it well. Um, when it comes to actually studying people who, who commit crimes, they're being interviewed and things of that nature, people look at their expressions on their face. You can examine what is called micro-expressions to kind of figure out if people are being honest with you or not. People who are innocent usually feel remorse. They're usually sad. And usually when people are sad, the upper part of their faces kind of loses composure. Um, to put this in modern 
language, something like ugly crying is what a lot of times people do when they're really happy. They kind of smile and they get the crow's feet. Usually if someone is experiencing some sort of um, sadness or extreme happiness, it is depicted in the upper part of the face. And that's remorse, when someone actually has an emotion of, of sadness that they did something. When it comes to regret, it's kind of closely, it's, it's closer to angry, like someone has regret that they got caught. And usually regret is and remorse, they're kind of a, a fixed upper face and then the lower part of the face might move a lot. You might have like gritting of the teeth or things which are more consistent with lower body expressions, but the upper part of the face is, is solid. But I bring this up because oftentimes when people are challenged to repent, we look for the emotional side of things. They say, oh, well, you've got you've to have the, the remorse up here. You've, you've got to have something up here. You've got to actually feel sad about it. You've got to have those emotions there. And we kind of force people to have emotions. We do all sorts of debriefing sessions and things which, and I hate to say this, I think they encourage um, emotional incontinence rather than um, firm character. But what we forget is both people who are innocent and people who are guilty can do an emotional display. People who are guilty, they'll have regret that they got caught, but they don't feel bad that it happened. Um, but they're still in emotional display. Having the emotions is not enough. The emotions may be a significant part of things, but to truly enact the metanoia and to go back to the Greek, it's not an, an emphasis of the emotions. They may be there, and sometimes it's very good to feel sorry. It's, it's very good to feel remorse when you do things that are wrong. But to actually enact the metanoia is to have a change in the mind that says, I want to shift the direction of my life from one direction to another. You don't just get those emotions out, because often when people get those emotions out, they let it go and they move on. The metanoia is not like that. It is something where there is a change in your being that says, I must change. And in the kingdom of God, we hear that statement, metanoia, that repent, it's coupled to the kingdom of God being here. It's not a random changing your mind. It's not waking up one day and saying, well, I want to have a, a new outlook on life and I'm going to get self-help books and do that sort of thing. It's this idea that says, I am going to go from the carnal way of death. I'm going to go from this way that is obtained through the power of the world, through the power of the self, and I'm going to go through the new way of life, which is only found in the kingdom of God. It's only found in God's kingdom, something we can't obtain by our own power. It is only found through the power of God. So let's see how this movement continues on. Anthony, would you take us now to Matthew 4 and pick up in verse 18. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father, Zebedee, mending their nets, and he called to them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. One of the things that I love is throughout the Gospels, well, throughout Scripture as a whole, there are so many examples of an explicit command to adventure, not just a call to adventure. I know we've been talking about the adventure of holiness, and it's like people are called to go on a quest. No, it's oftentimes a command. God comes to someone and says, get up, go do this. You know, get up, go to Nineveh. There's this command to adventure. Sometimes, if you're Mary and Joseph, the command to adventure is be an upstanding family. You know, that's actually what is the most important element in Jesus' raising. 
you know, the begotten son of God. He's, he's going to go on the adventure of family just at home with Mary and Joseph, and that's vital. As Pastor Anthony has read this scripture for us, we find in here a clear command to go on the call or to go on the adventure of holiness. And Anthony actually translated this statement that Jesus makes to the first of his 12 disciples. And there, if you, you go and look in verse 19, you'll find the sentence that Anthony has translated. And Jesus says, Come behind me, and I will make you into fishers of men. And I, myself, Pastor Dylan, I, I translated this as, Come here, get behind me, and I will make you fishers of men. I took a little bit more liberty in taking it into common English. But what you find is this Greek word, deute. Sounds like duty, um, but it means come here. And it's not something which is a casual suggestion where somebody comes in. And a lot of our artistic depictions of this are sort of Jesus passively holding out his hand, hoping that somebody will respond. But really, this language is firm. It's a very firm tone that's found here. It's a firm tone of command. It's not casual. It's not a light suggestion to ponder or feel cute and fuzzy about. It's a command. And the men are commanded to leave their work and immediately go on the adventure of ministry with Jesus. To go from one field of hard labor to another. A new area where they will forever be attached to the name of Jesus. And it is important to emphasize the command nature of this interaction. Jesus comes to them and starts something that cannot be ignored. This command comes at a high cost. But if we're honest... The cost of answering this command is a lot less than the cost of ignoring it. Because to ignore it would ultimately leave them on the way of death. And you would be cost life, eternal life. So we've studied this Greek word metanoia, which means to repent. But in specific, it means to have a change of the mind about what direction your life is going. Now the word metanoia is not found in this part of Matthew chapter 4. It's just a few verses earlier when Jesus is coming and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. Jesus comes, and again, if you're reading this in Greek, you get Jesus come and says, have a change of direction in your life. And then a few verses later, you find Jesus come to these men. And he basically, again, he says, come, come with me. And what do these men do? They have a change of direction in their life. There is a connection a bit with the, the logic that is found with this message of repent and what these men do. There is a, a change in the direction of their lives. Now, there's no simple repentance here with an audible confession of specific sins where we could hear somebody say, oh, these are all the things I've done. But there is a physical change where they stand up and leave the way of death and they change their course towards the path of life. Now, a lot of times these men, they don't really know what they're getting into and Jesus did not invite them to debate about what they're getting into. Jesus simply came and commanded them to follow. And they began their adventure in the kingdom of God. And in the first few moments with Jesus, these new disciples are thrust into public spotlight and they'll have to deal with some very serious problems. And as they walk with Jesus, they will be challenged to pursue holiness more and more, even though when they began, there was still a lot of, well, they weren't really qualified for what they were going to do. But in the eyes of God, they were to be there. They were commanded to be there. It wasn't about worldly qualifications or anything like that. So as we've examined this movement in Matthew 4, I want us to understand this form. It begins, don't reason with temptation. Have your mind and soul transformed towards Christ and stop your life from being directed towards the way of death. And finally, answer the command of Jesus to follow him in the hard labor of his gospel. This is how Jesus' ministry began. And it's something we should revere. 
Jesus has great mercy for humanity, and he desires all people to have liberty from the way of death. It's a very loving and merciful thing for Jesus to come and command people to leave the way of death. However, as Jesus comes to people, we must realize that there is a firm tone here. It is merciful, but it's also very firm. He does not negotiate with people as to how holy or how unholy they should be. He doesn't come to negotiate with them about what qualifications they have and what they need to strive with. He simply comes and gives a firm message. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. So as we close, I want to remind us not to be discouraged by the qualifications we have now or don't have now. Because God has great work in store for you to do on the way of life. So even though we don't spend a lot of time praying online, I want us to close in prayer today that we will be busy workers of the gospel as we walk the way of life. So let's spend a few moments in prayer, shall we? Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you today asking that your Holy Spirit be sent to us, that we could receive your wisdom, strength, and encouragement in all that we do. Lord, now in this moment, I ask that you come and open our minds that we would be diligent workers who are honorable. We have honor. We have diligence. We maintain the calling on our lives, and we do this as, well, skilled ambassadors living out your kingdom. Lord, as we are now here, we realize that oftentimes we lack the qualifications to make us such skilled ambassadors. But Lord, we know that we are not transformed in our own image or our own will, but in yours. Lord, for all who are listening to this message, I pray that you would come, transform them. Let us move closer and closer to you. I ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. With that, Anthony, any final thoughts before we close? Nope. All right. Anthony's at peace, and I hope all of you are having a good day. Any thoughts, questions, send them to me. I'd love to hear them. God love you, and have a blessed day.